Good morning. It is January 12th, 2024. This is episode 44 of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. Still coming at you with uh, the cold episodes. I am still fighting a head cold. I was pretty much uh, bedridden all day yesterday. I did not leave the house. I just got a lot of rest. Still got some work in, but uh, yeah. Here I am. I've got my uh, new uh, podcast furniture. I'm still trying to figure out how I fit into this thing. Got this uh, chair. I've got a coffee table down here you can't see. You know, I'm just trying to uh, figure out what I want this set to look like, what I want the furniture. I bought two chairs because I want to start having uh, guests uh, more often on the show. I've only had one out of the uh, 40 plus episodes. So, let's see if I can get through this whole uh, podcast without coughing into the mic, because I'm sure that would not be fun for anyone. So, uh, let's see. Yesterday, I started talking about my origin story, how I got into comedy, a little bit of my backstory, and I got to about the year 2014, um, which is when I was doing a lot of improvisation and not any stand-up comedy. I was always very terrified of stand-up comedy. Still am. Uh, stand-up is, man, it, it is just a very different beast for me than, uh, than doing improvisation, which is interesting. Um, I, I hear a lot of people say it's the complete opposite. Like, the idea of doing improv, not having a script, not knowing what you're going to say is more terrifying than stand-up, because stand-up, you have a script, you know what you're going to say. It's very different for me, um, for a lot of different reasons. Improvisation, first of all, it's not just you on stage. You have a whole cast. You have other performers to bounce off with. The whole training mechanism of improvisation is to teach you how to work with other people and how to get each other's back so if something doesn't go well in improvisation it's fine because you have a whole team I mean if you say something stupid you have a team that knows how to take what you said and make it brilliant if they're good teammates stand-up on the other hand is very different stand-up is uh if you say a joke and the people don't laugh you're the only one standing there holding that microphone and then you've got to bail yourself out. So you talk yourself into problems, you got to talk yourself out. And there's a very different expectation, I find, with the audience as well. With improvisation, the audience knows everything you're saying is off the cuff. So they're already sort of just blown away by the fact that you're even doing that, that you're even... uh having the audacity to just come off the cuff and say whatever comes off the top of your head. And I think the audience, because they know that, because they know it's improvised, I think their expectations are lower in a different way. Um, Whereas with stand-up, it's like, oh, we're going to go see a stand-up show. This person thinks they are funny. So we should be laughing. What this person thinks they... uh, This person thinks they're funny, and so everything that they say should make me laugh. So it's a very different expectation, I think, with the audience. And so 
um, I never wanted to do stand-up. That was never really um, in in my thought process that stand-up comedy was going to to be where I was putting my focus. I really only wanted to do improvisation and acting. So in about 2014, I had been doing gestures, this short form, in, uh, short form improv troupe, pretty much I mean, it was a huge portion of my life. Um, and I decided to take a break because I had really not had a break in like seven years. I pretty much did it nonstop. And um, during that break, um, I got an email from a nearby um, theater, Tempe Center for the Arts, that they were offering a free intro to stand-up comedy class. Like, come audit this class or whatever. And I'm going, well, you know, I'm I'm taking a break from gestures right now. This will be just a good chance. I'll just go take a free class. No big deal. Whatever. I'll just go see what this stand-up comedy thing is about. So I went and I did the workshop, and that's where I met uh, Tony Visick, who was teaching the class. I did this free workshop. He sat me down after the class and just said, hey, you know, you've got uh, some talent. You want to take my comedy class? All right. Sure. Why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> it alters the course of my life indefinitely. Uh, so I end up taking this stand-up comedy class with Tony, and that's where I first started to learn what stand-up was about and, you know, how to write a joke. And um, and then as part of that stand-up comedy course, there was, we had like our student showcase or whatever, you know, where we got to perform five minutes. And so I did this five minutes of stand-up comedy that I'd been working on through the course of the class, you know, and it went okay. I, di I didn't think it was, you know, earth-shattering. But it, I guess, was good enough or there was something about me that was impressive enough that after that class, um, uh, Tony, the teacher, would have sort of a one-on-one -on -one with each of us and just sort of talk through uh, our set and just kind of give his, his take on everything. And when he sat me down, he goes... Uh, what the heck are you? He didn't use the H word. He used a much worse word that I'm not going to say on YouTube. He goes, what the heck are you doing in Arizona? I was like, wait, what? Huh? He's like, why aren't you in New York? Why aren't you in LA? Why aren't you really pursuing this? And um, that really was totally out of the blue for me. Um. So if you'd listened to my podcast yesterday, I talked a lot about how I never had that inner confidence. I always needed permission. So all of a sudden, just out of the blue, here's this, you know, stand-up comedy teacher who barely knows me. He's only known me for about the month or so that I've been in his class, but also has been in the industry and been in the business his entire life. Like, he's seen it all, and he saw something in me that was, I guess, 
talented enough for him to really be uh, questioning what, what, why am I not really pursuing a comedy career in LA or New York? Like, why am I not really going for it? And not only did I not have an answer for him, it hadn't, that hadn't even occurred to me. It had never occurred to me that that would be an option for someone like me. Um, and again, I've talked about this previously, but I just had such an incredibly limited mindset in terms of what I was capable of and what I could accomplish in my life. And I was just so not a confident go-getter, go tackle the world, go do hard things. I was just so not built that way or trained that way. And so it it was really odd to me to be hearing this. And, you know, I didn't, I don't really remember how the rest of that conversation went. Uh, you know, I'm sure I probably just made some excuses and, oh, well, you know, why would I want to go to L.A. or New York? You know, I'm um, there's nothing special about me and excuse. I'm sure I just made a bunch of excuses or whatever. Um, but that planted a seed in me. And over the course of the next year, um, several significant events occurred in my life. So I started doing stand up. And then the next thing was I got a new job at a software company called Infusionsoft, which is now called Keep. And at the time, Infusionsoft had in its employ a full-time dream manager. That was his actual title, a man named Dan Rouse. And he, his whole job was to train and help the employees achieve their dreams. And so I got this job and I started working with Dan and Dan sat me down one day and he just goes, what really is your dream? He goes, you know, if, uh, I don't remember how he worded it. Something like, um, what's, what's the one thing that you want so bad? bad in life that you're even afraid to say it out loud because you're either embarrassed about it or you just don't think it could possibly happen. And I said to him in that first meeting that I wanted a recurring role on a sitcom. And I had never said that out loud to anybody. Now, remember, I told my eighth grade counselor, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, I told my eighth grade counselor that I wanted to be an actor and didn't really get a positive response. And so now I'm 32, 33 years old. And now somebody again is actually asking me what I really want to do. And what I really wanted to do was be a sitcom actor. <laughs> That's what came out of me. Just blows my mind. And the difference here is when I told that to my dream manager, Dan, it was a very different response. It was incredibly supportive. It was, hey, what what do we need to do to make that happen in your life? So now I have 
Tony Vizek, a stand-up comedy coach who sees me do stand-up and says, why aren't you in L.A.? And now I have a dream manager saying, why aren't you going for your dreams? Like, what is your actual dream? What do you want to do? Now, I could go into a lot of details about a lot of events that happened, but ultimately, those experiences with Dan and Tony started to transform my belief systems, not only about myself, but about life in general to, you know, where I used to be a lot more afraid and sort of go with the flow and waiting for permission and just sort of taking whatever I could get in terms of career, in terms of opportunity. I started to shift into this mindset of being a dreamer and going for dreams, which is a big reason why the theme of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast is, you know, I say it's a podcast by a dreamer for dreamers or a podcast for dreamers by a dreamer. And a lot of this idea of going for dreams was born in those discussions with Dan Ralph and, uh, you know, at Infusionsoft as my official dream manager. And he even had a title. And then Tony Visick really um, keeping on me and um, saying, hey, why aren't you going for this? Why aren't you uh, moving to L.A.? Why aren't you uh, making this happen? So between Tony and Dan and a bunch of other incredibly influential people in my life at that time, I decided to go for it. And in September of 2015, I packed up everything I owned, threw away or gave away probably two-thirds of everything I owned, and threw the rest in a U-Haul and rented a room in a condo in Pasadena, Los, uh, Pasadena, California, and moved into a room that was a third of the space that I was living in for about three times as much. <laughs> but I was there. I was in Los Angeles, and that set me on a path there in Los Angeles for about seven years of a lot of interesting, challenging, incredible experiences. I'll uh, maybe detail a lot of those experiences on further episodes, but um, yeah, that that experience of moving to L.A. when I was maybe 33, 34 years old, uh, I had no prospects. I had no acting credits. I had no real acting experience other than my improv experience. So I had a lot of improv experience, which um, in uh, yeah, which really didn't actually mean a whole lot moving to LA because they just didn't care. I remember reaching out to all the improv schools, you know, so there's uh, there was IO uh, for Improv Olympic. There was Second City. There's Groundlings. Um, and then, uh, UCB 
and then there's a handful of like kind of smaller indie ones but you know those are sort of the main schools so yeah no th- those are the schools that a lot of you know the uh snl people came through and uh you know a lot of actors go through these uh improv schools and i was thinking hey i've got i've got seven years of like in the trenches improv experience i've taught improv i've trained improv i do music improv I've performed, I, I estimated I did over a thousand shows with jesters and I've reached out to all of these schools thinking that, you know, they would at least let me sort of skip a level or two. And every single one of them are like, Hey, that's great. You have all that experience. Go ahead and start in level one, because we want you to learn our system, AKA we want you to pay us money for two years. Um, and you know, and, and also they just don't care. I mean, it, it really was a, a a good thrust into the uh, little fish big pond mentality. It's just like nobody cares about me in L.A. There is, you know, tens of thousands of actors moving out there every year trying to get their big break. Tens of thousands of comedians. I don't know if it's tens of thousands. At least thousands of stand-up comedians. Um. It really is a humbly, <laughs> it's really a humbly just how little of a fish uh, one can be in, in Los Angeles. And, you know, and I, and I still wasn't even anything in, <laughs> dang, I went 17 minutes without coughing. Um, you know, it's not like I was a big deal in Arizona, you know, I mean, I did gestures, I had a little bit of local fame. And, you know, I'd been doing stand up for about a year, I had maybe 10 or 15 minutes of stand up comedy material. And it's all like my first sort of attempt at stand up. So it's not like it's legendary, refined, incredible stand up, you know. And there I was in LA, amidst, amongst uh just that sea of talent and actors and creatives all um, emerging all descending upon Los Angeles in hopes of living their dreams and getting their big break and you know getting that uh getting that fame getting that fortune and so so there I was and I did that I did that for 7 years and had all the ups and downs, um, you know, small victories, big defeats. And, you know, I really, but I loved it though. I loved being out there. I was never burnt out. I never wanted to like quit and move home. Um, and I would probably still be there. Um, I got involved in a relationship last year that, I ended up moving back to Arizona for, but I didn't, it, it it wasn't like, oh, okay, well, I gave it a shot. I'm, I'm done. I was ready to, to move forward. Um, that all happened in 2022. And then that relationship diverted and I don't regret that. Um, it's just how things happened, but, um, but the theme of it all is going for my dream. And going for my dream 
in whatever manner makes the most sense to me with the resources that I have available to me with the talent that I have um, and the opportunities that are around me and doing everything I can to take advantage of that. So how that dream has evolved now is really taking advantage of social media and doing what I can to share my creative side, my art, my comedy, my talent on social media. And who knows where I will end up. I, I have not felt compelled to move back to L.A. Um, I did visit New York a couple months ago, and man, did I love being in New York. I'll tell you what, there's an energy there. But yeah, I, uh, I, haven't, I haven't felt a strong um, inclination that I need to be there for this leg of the journey. But if it calls to me again and the pathway opens up like it did back in 2015, I will move wherever my dream takes me, uh, wherever an opportunity presents itself. But that right now is for the great unknown of the infinite universe to decide where I'm at right now is just uh, pursuing my dream and my creativity and putting myself out there um, as much as possible online and then also locally, which speaking of that, I booked another gig next week, sort of a last minute headlining gig, which was sort of out of the blue, but I'm very grateful for. So um, next week I will also be performing at Stir Crazy on uh, January 18th. So I will be at Stir Crazy on January 18th, and then I will be at uh, JP's Comedy Club on uh, January 19th and 20th in Gilbert, Arizona. And then the following weekend, I will be headlining at Vito's Pizzeria, which is a really fun gig in Mesa. And this Saturday, I will be back at Jester's Improv, where it all began for me uh, on uh, this Saturday, January, what is that, 13th? So there's a little bit more of the backstory of this uh, crazy uh, dreamer who has the audacity to uh, throw his story online for anybody to consume and derive whatever sort of inspiration it may provide for you. So thank you so much for listening, and hopefully my sexy, cold, head-cold, Barry White voice is not too distracting. Um, I'm hoping that I am sort of on the other end of this, which it feels like it. I... I I get sick about once a year, just seems kind of like an annual thing, and it lasts for about a week. And that's about where I'm getting. And it gets really bad for about two or three days, which hopefully I'm on the other end of that. So this is January 12th, 2024, episode 44, the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. I love you all so much. I hope your dreams are going well that uh, the opportunities you're opening up for you. And again, if uh, you're the type of person who was like me and just needed a little encouragement and somebody to give them permission to move forward, you got my encouragement and my permission. And I hope that you are finding joy and fulfillment in your journey, whatever form that is taking for you. 
So love you all very much. And I will talk to you tomorrow.